Hello and welcome to Connect, Collaborate, Champion, the podcast of the New American Colleges and Universities, a network of campuses providing a transformative education for a diverse undergraduate and graduate student population, the future of our country. I'm your host, Sean Creighton. Our podcast speaks with insightful experts about current and future issues in higher ed. Thanks for joining us. On this episode of the NACU podcast, we speak with Andrea Chapdelaine, president of Hood College in Frederick, Maryland. President Chapdelaine is a lifelong teacher and scholar with nearly 30 years of higher education experience. Under her leadership, she has guided Hood College through inclusive strategic planning, strengthened academic programs, expanded experiential learning, established extensive regional partnerships, prioritized diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts, and expanded Hood's marketing and recruitment footprint, among many other accomplishments and accolades. Her local civic commitments are too long to list. And in her professional role, she currently serves on the boards for the American Association of Colleges and Universities, Council of Independent Colleges, and the National Association of Independent Colleges and Universities. President Chapdelaine, welcome to the NACU podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Well, let's jump right in and begin. Tell our listeners a little bit about your background and uh, what led to your presidency at Hood College. So I actually came to the presidency from the pretty typical route. I was originally a faculty member who took on increasing administrative positions and eventually served as a provost for more than a decade. And that eventually led to this presidency, which is my first presidency here at Hood College, where I'm currently serving in my eighth year. I think the common theme throughout my career has been to serve small private liberal arts colleges. All of the schools I've served have been of that, even though I'm the product of a public university. Got very excited in doing liberal arts and teaching it and learning in that field and have been happy and proud to serve such institutions ever since. So it's not like you're, well, you're a first-time president. You're obviously, you're not a new president having served uh, eight years now and But you've been at Hood College this entire time, and we're excited because Hood College is a member of the New American Colleges and Universities, and I thought maybe I'd give you a moment here to tell us what makes Hood so amazing. Yes, I'm actually now beyond the average tenure of a college president these days, so I guess I'm getting a little long in tooth, but I still find such joy and hard good work to do every day here at Hood, and it's been such a wonderful community place I really do consider home now, so happy to continue to serve So Hood is, as I said, a small liberal arts independent college. However, I think it's always shown a little bit of very much the mission of the NACU schools to be thinking about tomorrow's needs in terms of our students and making sure that our curriculum and our programs reflect what our students will need as they graduate and move on. So there's always been a number of programs that are professionally focused. Hood College was a traditional women's college. It became co-ed. Actually, next year we'll be celebrating the 20th anniversary of full co-ed status. 
But as far back as the 1970s, we had graduate programs in the college and, as I said, have always included a lot of pre-professional programs. So I think the strength of its academic programming still rooted in the liberal arts as well as the balance with those professional programs is one of the things that makes it very distinctive. We also have a tremendous diversity. We were very early on one of the schools that began even as a women's college to diversify diversify who was coming to our school and have continued that to this day. So we have tremendous diversity, not just in our student body, but also our faculty and staff as well. I think one of the things that Hood is fortunate is where it's located. So being just a small drive, both from Baltimore and the DC Metro gives our students wonderful opportunities and we have a huge alumni base in this area so internships research opportunities networking etc and we are located right in the city of frederick which i like to call the quintessential college town walkable safe great restaurants but also all the amenities of the great outdoors surrounding us and so i think one of the things that hood has done well is really build strong partnerships and in that community what do you see as sort of the top challenge and challenges for your campus? And and you can also think of this question in terms of opportunities, if you want to think of it that way as well, going forward. So prioritizing them is always a little bit of a challenge in itself. But I think you won't be surprised when I say tuition dependency. Like other colleges, we are primarily receive our revenue through tuition. And that dependency on revenue from our students is increasingly difficult because of our interest and ensuring that all students of promise have access to a hood education so providing the necessary financial support which has only grown in recent years as well as you know recognizing that we have a huge group of students who are choosing not to go to college, what they're calling the lost generation right now, as well as we know just the declining population of high school graduates. So that dependency on your major revenue source of a shrinking population is is probably the biggest challenge most schools are facing. I think in terms, as you said, it's also an opportunity, and that's where I think Hood has proven itself to be nimble and forward-thinking about other opportunities for revenue beyond that and ways to provide that financial support that's so needed. I think the other things are our talent management, and that is a more recent challenge that I did not have as much in my earlier years of presidency, but certainly retaining employees and hiring people with the requisite skills has certainly been something we're all wrestling with post-COVID. I think something I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about a little bit more is the declining public support for higher education as a whole and the perceived value. It's not something that I realized how in much we need to do to advocate to something that, of course, for me as an academic is a no-brainer. Yeah, I I imagine we could spend one episode on each one of those areas that you've identified. You know, I I guess as as you think about the future and you think about those challenges and that are faced by many of your presidential colleagues, could you talk a little bit more about, you know, building partnerships, um, you know, as a strategy to address some of these challenges or, or, and at least ensure your college's mission as you move it into the future? 
Right. I think this is some place where I, if I look back on my presidency, is something that I'm especially proud of. And, you know, building those partnerships, is there's no one way to do that or one type of partnership that makes sense. For me, it has been about building relationships first and having deep, engaged conversations with community stakeholders, internal stakeholders about their needs. So I would almost call it more of a listening tour in terms of what are the things that Hood can or should be doing to support those potential partners. And conversely, what are things that Hood needs and our students need that could be fulfilled through that partnership. So it's really about engaging in real relationship building and really helping establish a sense of mutual benefit, mutual trust. So I think, unfortunately, sometimes if we enter those relationships with this is what we need or this is what they need, it's hard to build that sense of place where we can get to where we can see win-win situations for everybody involved. It's definitely a different way of thinking for academe as a whole. And there's sometimes, you know, a bit of a culture change that has to happen in terms of thinking about how we make decisions and who's at the table to make those decisions. Because if you're going to have real partnerships, they need to be at the table. And, you know, if you're talking about curriculum and things that are traditionally kind of the purview of the academy, that does require a bit of a culture change. So I think for me, building those partnerships does take time and it does take patience and it does making sure that all the right people are at the table so you can build something that's sustainable and workable and like I said has real benefit. I'll give you a couple of examples of that. One was like many colleges a number of years ago we were facing a crisis which has only become more acute around providing health services to our students so the traditional model of having you know a, a nurse practitioner on campus maybe a doctor a couple hours a week just is insufficient to the needs of our our students today our athletic needs etc so um we're fortunate that we literally are next to the community hospital and so I reached out to them and told them what we were struggling with and they said that they had been very much interested for a period of years of creating a community care clinic in our area to help defray the number of people who are coming to the emergency room for what could be taken care of in a much less intensive and frankly expensive setting. And so by providing them with a number of ready clients, i.e. our student body, that really made the financial model of that work for them. And for our students was a was a huge advantage because that clinic is opened in the evenings, it's opened on the weekends, it is tied to the hospital, so access to expertise that we wouldn't have on campus. It's really changed our ability to provide quality care and at the same time, of course, help the hospital with one of the pain points of waiting times and um, response in their emergency room. Yeah, it's like creating these like synergistic relationships that are beneficial to both the you know, the students and, and the college, as well as the community, uh, which is part of the central mission of, of higher education. And it's not 
an easy task to achieve, right? I mean, it really isn't. But what I find, it's kind of that flywheel model is it takes time. I'm very fortunate. Frederick loves Hood and Hood loves Frederick back. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's not that tension sometimes you see between the campus and the community. We have so many alumni and so many areas in this community who are so ready to support, provide internships, whatever may be. But even so, you, it's kind of out of outside of everybody's job description to engage in these types of conversations. And what I have found is we set up a partnership with a one of the biotech companies in this area And then the next thing you know, you're getting calls from another four biotech companies going, wait a minute, that that looks like something we might be interested in. So I think if you stick with it before you know it, you probably have, you don't have the bandwidth to manage it. And, you know, part of it is just recognizing it doesn't all have to be at the top, right? Some of this is organic and grassroots and it's all good. In fact, recently I just invested in an additional hire, which is, you know, scarce resources, always a de- partly for this reason that there's more than I could ever work at or that our existing workforce could work at to really engage these partnerships because the potential has not been reached and I'm excited to see where it will go. Well, let's switch topics a little bit. You know, all of our campuses are very interested in how leaders approach um, DEI work. And I was wondering about the initiatives underway at Hood. Maybe you could talk about that and what's currently going on or any other expected impacts that you have uh, for the future. Yeah, and if I had talked about other challenges, this is certainly, you know, one of the challenges the college is facing it's a challenge our society is facing. And I, I see that as both a positive and negative. You know, the fact that we're trying to tackle these issues in a way I think much more intentional than has been in the past and with recognition that status quo is just not okay anymore is is a really good thing for our society and certainly for our students. It's challenging though. It's hard, hard work and we know that and it's fraught with missteps and stepping backwards, unfortunately, sometimes. What I did a couple of years ago sort of recognized something, two things. First of all, I understood that this is not something that can be siloed. So HR is working on hiring issues around this. And Student Life is supporting student diversity organizations and whatever your campus safety or conduct area is taking care of issues that arise. You're never really going to get to systemic issues and structural issues by that approach. It's a reactive kind of one-off approach. And if we're going to see real change on campus, you you have to move towards change that's at the campus-wide level, if you will. So not saying I'm there, but what I did do to begin to address that is create a new division. Somebody, the person who oversees that division reports directly to me. It's a division of community and inclusivity. So that was step one to really have that at the highest levels of the college and make sure that that voice was at the table as decisions are being made. What I have seen is that position, and I'm not saying it's wrong or right, every institution is different, but that in a number of cases in talking to other presidents, if you hire somebody at that level to be a chief diversity officer, 
with really no support around them, under them. Sometimes they're a staff of one. Again, to get to that kind of systemic change is very difficult. So rather than that approach, what I did is truly create a division. And so my vice president of community inclusivity, sometimes that's been called vice president of mission at some institutions, has reporting to them areas of the college that are primarily focused on the well-being of each and every member of our community. So that includes, of course, our student diversity person who oversees student diversity organizations, etc., our director of human resources, our campus safety office, our chaplain, our Title IX, and our director of wellness. And so there's a whole team who's now thinking collectively about issues of well-being. And I, when I say well-being, I, of course, include diversity, equity, and inclusion in that because nobody is going to be feeling good about being part of the Hood community if they don't feel their identity is being recognized and supported. So under that umbrella, I think real change in culture is possible. It is hard work. It is real culture change, so it will take time. But we've been under this model for about 14 months now, and it's starting to come together in really good ways. And I've seen some progress that I know would not have been possible prior to this. So, I mean, what have you learned? Because you're in the middle of it, but, you know, what have you learned so far along, you know, this kind of restructuring journey? And then also, I'm really interested in hearing your thoughts around such an undertaking for at a smaller college and uh, whether there's advantages or or disadvantages uh, based on the size of the institution what i have learned i think as i just said it is it's not the answer <laughs> you know mm-hmm. you can't just organize your way out of this it's going to take much more than that it's going to take real culture change and frankly what i have found is there is a level of need for education and training more than I realized. I have to admit, I was a little naive regarding my assumptions of where people were at on this journey on a college campus. And so students, faculty, staff, all of us have much to learn and grow in this area. So really thinking thoughtfully about the resources, the support, the expectations around the kinds of education all of us need in this area so that we can be real change makers is important. I also think, you know, the tyranny of the moment often gets in the way. So we're dealing with these issues every day and they spill into other issues, mental health issues of our students, academic issues of our students. And so how you get your arms around that and stay focused, you know, because your Mm -hmm. most immediate need is taking care of the student in front of you. And that's absolutely critical. In fact, that's the most important thing we do, but also trying to keep your eye on that bigger goal and how do we affect that larger change. I think those those are the big challenges. What I have learned is an incredible commitment to this work. So people may not know what they're supposed to be doing fully or understand how to go about it, but they certainly are committed to it. And that makes me very hopeful and very positive that that change is possible. With regard to your second question, being at a small college, you know, I'm much more nimble. So if I 
wake up one day, it wasn't quite like this, obviously, I thought long and hard about it, but decided I'm reorganizing my senior team. I reorganized my senior team. I think at larger universities, that's a much more complicated task. And to think about one person overseeing all those areas in a large university, it's already a big job, even at a small place like Hood. So I think that ability to change and restructure at small colleges is definitely an advantage. A disadvantage, of course, is bandwidth. Having the number of people that it's really needed to move this work forward on a day-to-day basis. But I think the messaging is just as important that this was a big undertaking to reorganize and redirect resources to this effort. And I think that message is critical to the solution. Well, the, I feel like since we started talking today, there's a real theme or trend around uh, the way in which you operate as a leader. At least, you know, you, you focus on relationship building, building partnerships, um, advancing priorities on campus through collaborative efforts. And, you know, I sort of want to segue into hearing your thoughts about shared governance and more and more is being written about it and whether the state of shared governance is in a crisis or not, I, I don't know. But uh, what are you seeing and experiencing on your campus and or, or hearing from your colleagues at other campuses? And- yeah, so big topic. <laughs> we could spend a lot of time talking about that, but in talking to my colleagues, other presidents, and talking to people here on campus, I think this is one of the things that's been especially difficult for small college campuses, especially related to COVID. Places like Hood are great institutions because of that sense of community, that sense that people know and care about each other. And we know that that only happens, I'm a social psychologist by training, is through social interaction and, you know, social media, virtual interaction, all of that is not going to replace that real community building, in my view, that happens when you're in a room together or forced to live next to one another or forced to work together on a daily basis. And I say that forced only because it seems that's been part of the hard part is all of us coming back together and learning how to be together in person. And so I think there's a lot of damage and horrific damage the pandemic did. But for me, one of the hard things is keeping a sense of shared governance together because that's built on that sense of community and shared commitment to a goal. Everybody had such little bandwidth (laughs) to think about issues like governance during the pandemic. I mean, obviously, our faculty were stretched so thin, just making sure they're meeting the needs of the students in the classroom. And our student life folks were stretched thin, just trying to manage the needs of the students outside the classroom. And of course, all of us just trying to keep the college afloat and so on and so forth. So I think that's both of those things together, not being together in person, and then just the bandwidth to pay attention to issues and principles of shared governance really took a hit on it. I also saw it's a lot of change, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of fear. So you're trying to manage and in those cases, as we all know, you can't communicate enough. One of the most important things in times of crisis is communication. It's always important, but it's especially important when everything's fine. And, you know, I think about this with my own children. If I'm not hearing from them, I'm assuming everything is fine. It's when they start calling me a lot, I know something's going on. (laughs) So you've got a situation where it's very difficult to communicate with one another in real genuine relationship building ways. 
nobody has time to do that and it's more important than ever so all that is to say is as much as i believe collectively we did our best to maintain shared governance to communicate it definitely came out i guess i would say a little frayed post pandemic we have faculty governance where people are not running for leadership you know committees that aren't being shared etc just because the faculty didn't have the bandwidth to do that and you know at the same time as a leader and the board would expect no less from me i had to keep the institution moving forward so of course i had to make decisions of course i had still had to build the next strategic plan etc and it's hard because people feel a sense of andrea was moving forward or the college was moving forward and she wasn't in having those conversations with us well i was but like i said mm-hmm. all those barriers made it very hard So I think that I would tell you that my sense is that shared governance is something we have to be paying a lot of attention to as we move past the pandemic. I absolutely believe that colleges make better decisions when the wisdom of the many are part of the conversations and the decision making. You're not going to have a college do well without that. And second to that, you can't have good shared governance if the governing bodies in themselves have to be strong, right? So you can't think about the strength of the institution as whole if the board is in a strong governing board, if the faculty don't have strong governance, etc. So I think for me, one of the things that I encourage the board to do and i i have heard this a lot from my colleagues other presidents is that the board rightly so was incredibly involved in the day-to-day minutia of the college through the pandemic you know they were right there beside me deciding when do we close how do we close when do we reopen when do we mandate vaccines when do we you know all of those decisions and repositioning ourselves that that is administrative work and it's not appropriate for the board to be involved in the day-to-day and to get them more focused on the strategic again and how do we move forward in a post-pandemic world. So my board actually has gone through a process of review over the past years. In fact, I was in a conversation this morning with the board leadership today redefining some of the committees and the responsibilities of the committee. So they really have looked very carefully at their governance. The faculty are doing the same. They're working with a consultant right now trying to figure out how do we streamline and make our process more efficient and communicate better with each other so that they can have strong leaders who are willing to serve in their committees. Our student government just revised their bylaws. So this I, I really try to encourage everybody to do this and hopefully the next step is then to come together and say, okay, given all that, how do we work together? I guess I should also mention senior administration did the same thing, looked at how we make decisions, who's at the table, and have been working on some things based on others' feedback that can improve the sense of transparency and what we do every day. Well, I feel like we've covered a lot of major topics today. <laughs> and um, maybe just, you know, I'd like to end by hearing about, you know, what you're what you're reading or, or watching or, or any big trips planned. And, you know, how do you balance all this work that you do as president? Tell us something lighter that's going on in your life to end the episode. <laughs> so one of the things I know I would share, I was told early on by more seasoned presidents or previous presidents is to make sure that you, like, if you're like me, I live on campus. I'm 
honor to have a place that the college provides for me, which is wonderful, great place to have students over, faculty, staff, the whole, love it. But it is a bit of a fishbowl. And so presidents always said, make sure you have a place to get away to. And, you know, the first couple of years, I didn't even think about that because I just felt like I was consumed and needed to be here 24-7. So one of the things I make sure I do is I did create that space for my family. So we do have a place that we can get away to that is ours, not just vacation, but a separate place where we can just, just be us. And I think that's important. And so I try to do that a little bit <laughs> every year. Uh, so always looking forward to that time away over break to do that. So in terms of big vacations, I took one <laughs> this past summer, did two weeks in Europe, in France and Italy. Um, my husband and I celebrated our 25th anniversary the day I had to close the college for COVID back in 20. So this was a long overdue uh, celebration of that. And both of our sons graduated from college during COVID. So we decided the family deserved a great big fun vacation. And it was just that. It was a great time. I rarely have time to sit and read a book, but I listen to books a lot. Um, mm -hmm. So as I walk and talk and go different places, this is a walking town. So I always have my earbuds ready to just listen. So I'll tell you, I just finished Lessons in Chemistry. Um, it's won a lot of awards. If you haven't heard from it, it's wonderful. Um, okay. Recommended to me by a trustee. and. I do read a book. I have a book club with my senior team. And so we just have a long list of books that we throw up on the wall and then pick one once we finished. And right now we're reading the new Gostick and Elton. They've written the Orange Theory. They've written a bunch of leadership books, but they just came out with one called Leading with Gratitude. It's pretty light, but as always, their books are very practical, um, very applicable to what you're doing. So we try to get together about once a month, have lunch and, and talk about the book. Oh, I like that idea. That idea of, you know, a book club with your senior leadership. Yeah, it's it's fun. I'm, I'm happy to send you the list of books we've read or what's, yeah. what's coming up on our list. Um, you know, sometimes it's leadership. Sometimes it's higher education. Sometimes it's kind of inspirational fiction so like boys in the boat was one it's anything anything people mm -hmm. want to throw mm -hmm. up there and then we like i said we pick as a whole yeah that seems like a great idea for those listening out there who want to start book clubs with your senior team <laughs> I, I like that yeah and sometimes it's gone further than that you know sometimes it's it's been the whole management teams or you know divisions will jump on board or students sometimes so yeah it's a lot of fun it, you know years and years ago I started a woman's book club as a faculty member and so I've just kind of always carried that with me and I just mm. you know books is where it all started the reason I went to college the reason I am where is all about reading and my my parents love a book so for me it has to be a constant in my life even if more audio than <laughs> visual these days just based on time thank you for being with us today and sharing your thoughts on uh, what's going on at, at hood and what's going on in higher education and uh, we look forward to following the work that you're doing going forward and thanks so much well enjoyed our conversation very much sean thank you thanks for listening to connect collaborate champion as president of the New American Colleges and Universities, I am honored to work with our network of innovative campuses committed to increasing the social and economic mobility of students from all walks of life. A special thank you to our producer of this episode, George Drake Jr. To learn more about NACU campuses, visit nacu.edu.
www.edu.au.